If you have a Bible, go ahead and uh, open up to Acts. In the New Testament, about two-thirds through your Bibles there, Matthew, Mark, Luke, John, Acts. You'll also see on your outline a, uh, a list of some of the passages we're going to look at initially, and then we're going to move on to some passages in Luke, just a few books prior to that. Um, as you open up your Bibles and, and grab your note sheet, grab a pen, because I have an exercise for you. Uh, and this will take about five minutes, five or six minutes. We'll, we'll play a little light uh, instrumental music in the back as we do this exercise. Um, in the book of Acts, there are three stories that I've listed for you here. One in Acts 13, another in Acts 18, and another in Acts 28. And each of these three stories, um, they have a lot of parallels. Now, I don't want you to cheat and turn the sheet over. I want you to stay on side one. No cheating. But I want you to take five minutes quietly, alone, just you and the Lord reading his word, and grab a pen and read these stories. Read them casually. Read them quickly through. And then as you read them all through once, start to circle and underline some of the parallels that you see in these stories. Anything that looks the same or similar, similar themes, similar circumstances, similar outcomes. Read these stories casually and quickly and then go back over them one more time and begin to take note of what is similar. Take a few moments right now, five minutes. We'll go through these together. Go right ahead. read it through one more time just to see if you find something else hearing it from a different perspective the story in Acts 13 Paul and Barnabas came to Antioch in Pisidia and went into the synagogue Jewish synagogue on the Sabbath day and sat down and after the reading of the law and the prophets the rulers of the synagogue sent to them saying, Men and brethren, if you have any word of exhortation for the people, say on. And so Paul went on to preach a sermon. And then verse 44, it picks it back up. On the next Sabbath, almost the whole city came together to hear the word of God. But when the Jews saw the multitudes, they were filled with envy. And contradicting and blaspheming, they opposed the things spoken by Paul. Verse 46, Then Paul and Barnabas grew bold and said, It was necessary that the word of God should be spoken to you first, but since you reject it and judge yourselves unworthy of everlasting life, behold, we turn to the Gentiles. For so the Lord has commanded us, I've set you as a light to the Gentiles, that you should be for salvation to the ends of the earth. And when the Gentiles heard this, they were glad and glorified the word of the Lord. 
And as many as had been appointed to eternal life believed, and the word of the Lord was being spread throughout all the region. The second story, Acts 18. Paul was compelled by the Spirit and testified to the Jews that Jesus is the Christ. But when they opposed him and blasphemed, he shook his garments and said to them, Your blood be upon your own heads. I'm clean. From now on, I will go to the Gentiles. And he departed from there and entered the house of a certain man named Justice, one who worshipped God, whose house was next door to the synagogue. Then Crispus, the ruler of the synagogue, believed on the Lord with all his household. And many of the Corinthians hearing believed and were baptized. Finally, Acts 28. And it came to pass, after three days, that Paul called the leaders of the Jews together to whom he explained and solemnly testified of the kingdom of God, persuading them concerning Jesus from both the law of Moses and the prophets from morning until evening. And some, of, and, and some were persuaded by the things which were spoken, and some disbelieved. So when they did not agree among themselves, they departed after Paul had said one word, quote, the Holy Spirit spoke rightly through Isaiah the prophet to our fathers, saying, Go to this people and say, Hearing you will hear and shall not understand. Seeing you will see and not perceive. For the hearts of this people have grown dull. Their ears are hard of hearing. Their eyes have closed, lest they should see with their eyes, hear with their ears, lest they should understand with their, with their hearts and turn, so that I should heal them. Therefore let it be known to you that the salvation of God has been sent to the Gentiles and they will hear it. What similarities do you see? It can be something very inconsequential. It can be something significant. What similarities do you see? Anyone? Doug? There's opposition in all three stories. Good. Someone else? A similarity? Will. Paul was the speaker. He was the teacher in all three stories and he was speaking and preaching boldly wherever he went. Good. Someone else. Many believed. In every single one of the stories there was a segment that believed. Doug. In all three stories where there was opposition and, and who did the opposition come from? the Jewish people and, and the leaders of the Jewish people. In all three stories there was opposition from a group of people, namely in, in these stories the, the Jews or the Jewish leaders. And in all three stories there was a harvest fruit that came to another group of people, the Gentiles. Go ahead and flip your sheet over for just a moment. Some patterns, some similarities, you've picked up on all of them. Great job. Number one, Paul ministered to the Jews first. Paul ministered to the Jews first. He naturally desired to give God's gift to his own first. It was also something that the Lord had told him to do. He told the disciples to do the same thing. 
to you know that 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 the gospel should be preached in Jerusalem, in Judea, in Samaria, and to the ends of the earth. There was always an order. There was always a pattern. There was always stages of the progress of the gospel as it went out. Paul was no different. He started with the Jew. Paul was a Jew. He started with his own countrymen. And he naturally wanted to give the gospel to his own. But then number two, but Paul's outreach to the Jews was routinely met with opposition. It was routinely met with opposition and bore little fruit. As he ministered to the Jews and as others of the, of the disciples and apostles went out and did the, the ministry of taking the gospel to, the, to, to, to all the earth, it was interesting that their own people often opposed them. Their own social class, their own ethnicity, their own, their own companions, their own friends and family often opposed them. And it bore little fruit often, not always, but often. Come to the third pattern then. So Paul pivoted. He pivoted his primary attention to a new audience, the Gentiles, who were eager to receive salvation. Having received opposition from the, the Jews, his own countrymen, and not seeing much fruit out of that, uh, the ministry of preaching and teaching to them, he pivoted. He changed course. And he changed course, and his primary attention was moved to a new audience, the Gentiles, that is to say, the Greeks, the Romans, non-Jews, who were eager to receive salvation, to hear the word to learn about this Jesus who is puzzling so many in that day and age. Patterns and similarities in all three of these stories. Let's pause there for just a moment and return to where we were uh, last week. Flip over to the book of Luke, chapter 14. Luke, chapter 14. Just a few books back there. Acts, back to John, back to Luke. Luke chapter 14. We had left off last week in verses 16 to 24. The parable of the Great Supper. I'll, I'll read it again quickly so we can just be reminded of that story. Acts, or Luke Luke 14, verses 16 to 24. And Jesus said to him, that is the host, or, or excuse me, one of the guests at the table, he said, a certain man gave a great supper. This is verse 16 of Luke 14. A certain man gave a great supper, Jesus said, and invited many. And he sent his servant at supper time to say to those who were invited, come, for all things are now ready. But they all with one accord began to make excuses. The first said to him, I've bought a piece of ground. I must go and see it. I ask you to have me excused. Verse 19, another said, I've bought five yoke of oxen, and I'm going to test them. I ask you to have me excused. Still another said, I've married a wife, therefore I cannot come. 
So that servant came and reported these things to his master. And then the master of the house, being angry, said to his servant, Go out quickly into the streets and the lanes of the city and bring in here the poor, the maimed, the lame, and the blind. And the servant said, Master, it is done. It's done as you commanded. And still there's room at the table. Then the master said to his servant, Go into the highways and the hedges and compel them to come in, that my house may be filled. For I say to you that none of those men who were invited shall taste my supper. That, that was from last week's message. I encourage you to check it out online if, if you missed it. Story of a man who prepared a great feast and invited all of his, really his closest companions and friends. They were people in his own social circle. They were people in his own social class. They were good friends and business associates, people that he liked to, to dine with and enjoy entertainment with. They were people who the, the man felt comfortable inviting. They were, they were popular people. They were, they were cool. He enjoyed them. They were some interesting characters, really. If you look at verse 18, the man says, he gave the excuse, I have a piece of ground that I just purchased. In other words, the man was a real estate investor. We all know how popular they are. The other man, in verse 19, he was a prominent farmer. A prominent farmer. He, he, you know, he had five yoke of oxen that he was testing out. He was able to, to go out and to, and to provide uh, great uh, food and grain for uh, the people of the town. And then the last man, verse 20, a young man, recently married, perhaps a, a, a popular young debutante who was uh, uh, an up-and-comer in the community. Everyone enjoyed his company. That's who the man invited to the feast. Those closest to him, however, these, each of these individuals, those closest to the, to the man, they all made excuses. They all made excuses. And they said that they could not attend the party. In, in reality, they, they could attend the party. But they decided not to. They had the time. They had the opportunity. They could have, but they chose to make excuses. So naturally, the man was hurt when, uh, when someone rejects our invitation. It can, it can hurt. When a large segment of those closest to us rejects our invitation, it really hurts. And that hurt turns to disappointment, and disappointment turns to frustration, and frustration turns to anger, and finally the man decides to do something. He really decides to change the guest list. Verse 21, the master of the house being angry said to his servant, go out quickly into the streets and the lanes of the city and bring in here the poor, the maimed, the lame, and the blind. I'm changing the guest list. And the servant said, Master, it's done. It's done as you've commanded. And still there's room. The master said to the servant, Then go into the highways and the hedges and compel them to come in, that my house may be filled. For I say to you that none of those men who are invited shall taste my supper. 
the man's guest list changed. Because when he invited his own, when he invited his own family and friends first, he encountered excuses and opposition. His invitation to the party that he gave to his own was rejected. And that was frustrating to him. Still the feast was ready and the food was hot. And surely there were some, there were some, surely there were some who would be willing to celebrate with him. And so the man began to expand his horizons a bit. He looked uh, differently upon where he lived. He did not look for what was familiar to him. He did not look for those with whom he was comfortable. Instead, he looked for what was unfamiliar to him. Instead, he looked for those with whom he was unacquainted with, unaccustomed to. He looked to those who he had previously been oblivious to, unaware of. Whether intentionally or not, he looked for strangers. He looked for outsiders. He looked for outcasts and castaways. He looked for loners and losers, for anyone and everyone who was fundamentally different from those he had ever interacted with before. And he invited them to his feast. And they, they came. And they, the outcasts and the castaways, they ate. And they enjoyed the Master's Supper. They were eager to eat. Eager to participate in the feast. The Bible says that we were once um, the outsiders, the outcasts, the castaway, the loners, the losers. We were once the outsiders looking in. We were once on the outside, but God by His grace and through His Son Jesus, through His death and resurrection, has brought us to His great feast. We've been invited and we've accepted, by and large, the invitation to participate in the greatest gift in all the world, which is eternal salvation by faith in Jesus free entry into the kingdom of God and having become a part of this great feast God is calling us He's beckoning us to tell others about this incredible party when you go to a great party when you have a great dinner you tend to want to tell others about it and God knows the feast, the party, the celebration that He's brought us to And we know what we've been brought to. And we know how good it is. And we know what is ahead. 
And so it only makes sense that we should be ready and willing and eager to tell others about it. The question is, who are we going to tell? Well, we're going to tell our own. Of course, we're going to tell our own. We're going to tell our spouse. We're going to tell our children about this feast. We're going to tell our family about this wonderful party. We're going to tell our dearest friends. Naturally, we want our own to attend the party. Whenever we receive a great blessing, we want our own, our own circle of influence, our own family, our own dear friends, those closest to us, we want them to experience what we experienced. Naturally, we want to tell our own. But as the years, they go by, an invitation after invitation goes out, It goes out to those we're most comfortable with. It goes out to those who are our own. And oftentimes, uh, that invitation, as it continues to go out, it gets returned. It gets returned with regrets. It gets returned with excuses. Or worse, it doesn't even get answered at all. I wonder... In those moments, as we give out the greatest invitation of all to our own, and time and time and time again, it keeps being returned, rejected, excused, unanswered. I wonder, when will we expand our guest list? The feast is ready. The food, it is hot Surely, surely, there are some who would be willing to celebrate. When will we expand our guest list? When will I expand my guest list? The story that uh, precedes Luke 14 verses 16 to 24 is especially apropos for us now. It's the story that immediately precedes the one we read last week. I'd like to read it for us now. It begins in verse 12, just three verses. Luke 14, 12, 13, and 14. Once again, Jesus has been invited to a feast. It's at the house of a a prominent Jewish ruler's home. And uh, he's interacting with the prominent guests that are there. And this is what Jesus says in verse 12. Then he, that is Jesus, also said to him, which is a ruler of the Pharisees, the, the, the host, who invited him, Jesus said, when you give a dinner or a supper, do not ask your friends, your brothers, your relatives, nor your rich neighbors, lest they also invite you back and you be repaid. But when you give a feast... Invite the poor, the maimed, the lame, and the blind, and you will be blessed, because they cannot repay you, for you shall be repaid at the resurrection of the just. A strangely familiar story from the one we just read in Luke 
verses 16 through 24. Let's call Jesus' teaching in verses 12 to 14 story one. And let's call the parable that begins in verse 16 and goes through verse 24, let's call that story two. Okay? So the first story there you see, verses 12 to 14, we'll call story one. And then story two, verses 16 to 24. A lot of similarities, a lot of parallels. Did you notice uh, the guest list in both stories? In story two, verses 16 to 24, the closest companions invited by the host were among the initial guests. And they all made excuses and did not want to attend the party. In story one, verses 12 to 14, Jesus openly questions the value of only inviting your friends and your family to the feast. In fact, here he downright says, don't invite them at all. Which we should know is hyperbole. That is an exaggeration that Jesus is giving for effect to prove a point. A statement of exaggeration to prove a point that others, others should be invited. Others should be invited as well. Who then should be invited? Who then, Jesus? Both stories speak of a new and expanded guest list. In fact, they speak of the same exact expanded guest list. Story 1, verse 13. When you give a feast, invite the poor, the maimed, the lame, and the blind. Story 2, verse 21. The Master says, bring in here the poor, the maimed, and the lame, and the blind. And then then there's the incentive. Then there's the incentive. Why? Why should I do that? Why should I invite the poor, the maimed, the lame, and the blind? What's the incentive? Why should we do it this way, Lord? Why? When we throw a feast, why should we expand our horizons? Why should we expand our guest list? Tell me, Lord. Story 1, verse 14, and you will be blessed because they cannot repay you for you shall be repaid at the resurrection of the just. Story 2, the incentive is, it's unspoken. It's not written, but it's implied. Why did the master expand his guest list in story two? Because the new guests were willing to eat. They were the only ones willing to come to the feast. Refrigerators are not faring well in the Anderson family. Uh, I I think I mentioned um, (coughs) this summer 
our GFI tripped in the garage and the refrigerator went dark and we didn't know it until about a day later. Refrigerators are also not faring well in my in-laws home. Two days ago they, uh, they, uh, they called me and said, our refrigerator's out. And I said, well, I'm not the guy to call. And uh, they said, no, we're going to come by and we're, we're going to get you know, some, some ice coolers and see what we can do and call out a, a serviceman and whatnot. And then, miraculously, the refrigerator turned back on later in the day. And then, it went, and then they thought it was just fine, so they brought the coolers back. And then this morning, I got another text saying, the refrigerator's back out. So now the refrigerator is back out again. So I think that refrigerator over there at my in-law's house is possessed. Uh, but we'll find out later on. These refrigerators are not faring well in, in our, our family. But of course, what do we do when a refrigerator goes out? Well, of course, we try and fix it. Or we call a serviceman or, or woman to come to our door and help fix the problem. But then there's something else we do too, especially if that service person is delayed in coming. We scramble to keep the food cold. We go and we get ice coolers. We go and we get ice at the store and we bring it all together and we take the food out and we pack it in the coolers and we pack it back in the ice that the food might not go to waste, that the food might still be used, that people might still have an opportunity to eat while the food is fresh and still readily available. The Bible says the time is short. The Bible says Jesus is coming again soon, very soon. The signs of the times are all around us for those with eyes to see. It's as if God is pulling the plug on the refrigerator. The food inside the bread of life, salvation, the great feast of the kingdom of God. Well, the days of using that food are coming to an end. The days of invitation and participation in the feast will soon be passed. And it is fine and well to invite our own to the feast. God is not willing that any should perish. Paul invited his own first in Acts. We read three stories in which he always invited his own. He always invited the Jew, his own countrymen, his own brothers and sisters. It's fine and good to invite our own to the feast. But the word for us today is that our guest list is too small. It's too small. I look at myself, I look at our church, I look at the churches of Southern Orange County, with which I'm very familiar as I interact with uh, a lot of uh, good friends at different churches, and uh, I think they would agree with me that we are all collectively ashamed to admit that our guest list is far too small. We wonder why the churches around us appear to be so powerless appear to be lacking in such influence in our community. Well, in Acts 13, in Acts 18, in Acts 28, the people of Paul's first guest list 
They demonstrated that they weren't interested in the feast. So Paul expanded his guest list. He went to those that no one thought of going to. He invited those that no one thought of inviting. Those whom no one thought could contribute to the celebration. But those new guests in Acts 13, 18, and 28, they came. They went to the feast and they ate. And so Luke writes, so Luke records Paul saying in Acts 28, 28, Therefore let it be known to you that the salvation of God has been sent to the Gentiles, to the expanded guest list. And then he says, and they will hear it. They'll hear it. They'll come when they're invited. They'll eat and participate at the feast. Many won't. Many of our own won't. But they will. The once godless Gentiles of the first century became the very ones through whom God gave us the blessings of the church. Wondrous things happened when Paul invited those whom no one wanted to invite. The time is short. The time to give out the bread of life is coming to an end. Who will we invite? You say, Pastor, you're being, you're being so theoretical. What do you mean practically? What, what, are you, what are you talking about? I'm saying, look, I... I've invited my own. I've invited my family. I've invited cousins and aunts and uncles, those dear to me, closest of friends. I've invited them many times to come and inquire, come and see, come and consider that Jesus is the Christ. It's strange, but I, I, I don't often see a lot of fruit from those many years of invitation. They're my own. I love them. So what am I going to do? Am I going to get discouraged? Am I going to get beat up and, and hang my head? No. Paul says, expand your guest list. Look differently at the world. For me, it's the people that I'm oblivious to, that I usually overlook. It's, it's the homeless man that I met, that I spoke about last week, Bill. I usually overlook those. It's the woman who serves me food every other Friday at Caro's dawn. I usually overlook those. It's the Berries and the Mary Francis and the Eds and the many others who walk through our doors at Coast who are homeless, who are hurting, who are in need of a pick-me-up, who we often miss as we walk on by. Who are you missing? Guess what? God is saying, invite them to the feast. The janitor, the one who cleans your home, the neighbors that you overlook, the person at work who uh, you're, you're up here and they're quite a ways down and so you, you don't interact with them. God's saying, expand your guest list. The first invites have already gone out. It's time to invite more. Specifically, we have a feast, the Thanksgiving feast. I would like you to invite your own. That's well and good. I hope you will. I'd like you to invite more than your own. I would like to fill our gym 
with people who we would never invite. Never invite normally. Let's fill it. For locally here at Coast, we're going to be sending out a survey soon. I'm going to be asking you, what, what are you doing outside of Coast in ministry? Outside of Coast. I don't want to hear about what you're doing inside. I want to hear about what you're doing outside of Coast. And we want to be listening and paying attention to what we're already doing in the community and those opportunities and projects and people to whom we can reach out in the future. I don't know what it will look like. For, for so much of me, it, it feels like the homeless. It feels like homeless children that God is drawing us to. Maybe it's foster care. Maybe we can have an, an impact in the foster care system of South Orange County. Maybe it's the high school providing free lunches to children, who, to, to teenagers who need a pick-me-up, providing free tutoring to, chill, to teenagers at the high school who are struggling in classes. I don't know what it looks like yet, but I'm listening. I'm listening. I've told many of you I'm listening. Tom and I have talked about this at great length, and the elders, we're listening. We're in a state of listening, and God is about to do something great. He's about to expand our guest list. Amen? I'm not being theoretical. I'm being practical. And when we sing that song, Oceans, as we did earlier in worship, Spirit, lead me where my trust is without borders. We are now meaning that. Take me deeper than my feet would ever wander, and my faith will be made stronger in the presence of my Savior. Expand your guest list. Expand your guest list. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, oh Lord, we, uh, we have the greatest gift. We're a part of the greatest feast. By faith in Jesus, those in this room, in this community, who have looked upon the Lord Jesus and said, I believe in Him, we are at the table. And we know what is ahead. We have the greatest gift, God. Would you give us courage to go out and to share it, to be bold, to share it? Of course with our own. We'll never neglect our own. Paul never did. Jesus never did. But it's funny, Lord, we, we often see, as it's borne out in your word, that often our own return the invite. And we walk away and we fail to invite more. God, would you expand our guest list? Holy Spirit, would you show us the people who we're overlooking? We're doing it every day. Would you fill our gym in one month with a feast, not of those from coast, but from those whom we would never invite? Would you fill our hearts, Lord, with a local community project? Homeless, foster care, the high school, I don't know what it is, God. We're listening, we're waiting on you to show us what it'll be. Would you show us how to expand our guest list? To minister to those who cannot repay. We don't want repayment, Lord. We just want to share the feast with others. So God, guide us. Take our feet where they would never wander. And our faith will be made stronger in the presence of you. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.